Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Jerry Panola. I'm a citizen of the Kishaya Band of Pomo Indians. This is uh, my daughter, Kaylee Panola. She's also a citizen of Kishaya. And on the end here is Ksenia, Arsenia um, Vezdegon from the Kunstkammer Museum in St. Petersburg, Russia. Um, w- this panel is what we're going to try to cover here. Ksenia is going to give you a presentation on the California native artifacts in Russia that are housed in Russia, the Kunstkammer. And then Kaylee and I are going to, after that, we'll follow it up and try to give a maybe a little bit different perspective of what people see in an artifact. You know, we definitely, we view those differently as tribal people. And so sometimes in archaeology, they get into like the scientific uh, aspects of artifacts and things like that, and we don't see them that way. So we're going to try to uh, portray that with a couple um, experience that we had in Russia. So we have a short period, time period. So uh, Senya, if you want to Thank you so much, Jerry. First of all, I would like to uh, say how happy am I to be uh, to be here in sunny California after rainy St. Petersburg, and uh, I'm really grateful to Fort Ross Conservancy for inviting me. And I would like to express my special gratitude to uh, Sarah Swidler uh, for organizing my visit. Um, a history of acquisition of the North American artifacts uh, in Russia is closely linked to the history uh, of the first public Russian museum, Kunstkamera, which was founded by Tsar Peter the Great, the Great Emperor, uh, to be more accurate, uh, in 1714 as a part of his educational and cultural reforms. Uh, this year, we celebrate our 305 anniversary. Uh, now, Peter the Great Museum of Anthropology and Ethnography, which is better known as Kunstkamera, is one of the largest and oldest ethnographical museums in, in the world. Uh, here you see the uh, engraving, which uh, depicts the building in, in, uh, 18, in the 18th century. And here is the view, the modern view of the building. You, you see that nothing has changed dramatically. Uh, the collection of uh, this uh, of our museum of Kunstkamera on the peoples of Russian America uh, has been formed for more uh, than 250 years since since the middle of uh, the 19th century. Uh, thanks to, to the collecting activities of scientists from uh, the Russian Academy of Sciences, and I must notice that uh, Kunstkamera is the cradle of Russian science and the cradle of Russian Academy of Sciences. First academic uh, were working it, uh, in uh, Kunstkamera, and it was the academic center for the, from the very beginning of it, its history. Uh, thanks to the collecting activities of uh, academics, uh, of uh, navigators, employees of the Russian-American company, uh, Russian merchants, our museum has the most scientifically valuable and earliest collection of traditional cultures uh, of several peoples of uh, Alaska and California. Uh, here you see the features of our collections, uh, which uh, make it so unique. Uh, 
Uh, the deal is that the most European and American researchers, unfortunately, began to uh, collect artifacts on Alaska and Northern California uh, only by the end of the 19th century, when uh, the most elements of the traditional cultures of the indigenous population uh, were already lost or were subject to strong European uh, influence. For example, we have such beautiful Ohlone items, uh, which belong to the culture, which is unfortunately disappeared now, and uh, they are considered by our researchers to be totally unique, these uh, items. Uh, therefore, uh, Kunskameras collections, uh, collection on the peoples of Russian America has enduring scientific value, both for researchers and for the indigenous peoples uh, of North America. Uh, that seems uh, to be the most important thing for us today. Uh, because we are not just ethnographical museum, uh, we are also an academic research center, as I noticed before. Uh, so the collections are not uh, only carefully stored, by, uh, but also accurately uh, studied. Our permanent exhibition uh, dedicated to North America, here uh, on the photo you see its Californian part, uh, is one of the biggest in our museum. Uh, it is uh, the first exposition that meets the visitor as soon as he enters uh, the museum, uh, and it occupies the considerable part of the first floor of our museum. And mannequins uh, of North America Hall uh, were created in the beginning of the 20th century, so they are a kind of uh, museum items themselves. Uh, and they are made for specific scenes that uh, reflect the life uh, of American Indians and accurately reproduce the anthropological features of the representatives. Here you can see the general view of the exhibition of rep representatives of uh, various uh, communities. Vivid images of indigenous peoples, uh, artifacts that seems to be mysterious uh, and exotic for the visitor from the opposite edge uh, of the globe make this exhibition our real blockbuster. It is among the most popular in our museum. Here you can see the map of California. Uh, the numbers uh, indicate those native peoples whose artifacts are uh, represented in our collection. Of course, the richest part of it is on North and Central California, including Pomo and Mivok people. This is not surprising, of course, because the Russian settlement Ross was founded in 1812 uh, on the territory of Kashaya people, uh, or for example, in Bodega Bay on the area of settlement of Coast Mivok, uh, there was a pier for unloading the goods from the ships of the Russian uh, American company. Uh, Southern Pomos living in the Russian river basin uh, were also in the zone of economic and cultural influence of the settlement uh, Ross. First objects of the Californian uh, peoples, uh, they are arrows, uh, arrived to Kim's camera uh, at, in uh, 1806, uh, and they were received by Yuri Fyodorovich Lysiansky. Uh, he was the first uh, rank captain and navigator and explorer. 
Uh, he didn't visit, visit California himself, and uh, these arrows were received uh, by him in Alaska from the employees of uh, the Russian Academy, uh, American uh, company or from uh, foreign sailors. We unfortunately cannot say it exactly because the documents of that period, unfortunately, uh, do not reflect the way of obtaining of course, the history of the collection is connected uh, to the names of some other researchers and sailors. For example, Vasily Golovnin, who visited California in 1818 during his uh, circumnavigation uh, in the years 1817-1819. Uh, uh, he purchased a large ethnographic collection, uh, which, after it, his return into St. Petersburg, was divided into several part, parts. Uh, and part of it, uh, Vasily Golovnin uh, transferred to Conscamera directly, and another part uh, was given later in 1931 from the Imperial Academy of Arts. Here you can see uh, uh, the pieces of his collection representing Chumash people, whose items are comparatively rare in our collection. But of course, uh, when you speak uh, about Californian collections of Kunstkamera, the first name you remember is the name of Ilya Gavrilovich Vznesensky. He was a staff member of Kunstkamera. He was a zoologist, uh, so he was, uh, you know, used to a systematic approach. Uh, in his studies, and he was sent in uh, 1839 to uh, uh, Russian America uh, with a special task. For an, uh, his assignment was uh, collecting uh, ethnographic, botanical, and zoological items. Uh, so it was his main goal. Uh, the Academy of Sciences provided him some money, uh, and uh, for obtaining the artifacts uh, and a special instruction according to which uh, Vesnysensky had to write down the name of each item, its local name, the material it was made from, uh, its purpose, and also note the value of uh, which item, uh, the, uh, the value which this or that uh, thing has for the locals. Uh, that is, he had to pay attention to the uniqueness of individual items. Uh, that's why his collection is very well organized and uh, comparatively, comparatively well described. Uh, as you know, he spent 10 years in America, conducted extensive field work uh, among the local people, and collected several thousand items uh, for academic museums, not just for camera, but they are uh, items and materials uh, on ethnography, zoology, botany, mineral mineralogy, and uh, some other sciences. Uh, here I just want to show you some masterpieces uh, from the collection of uh, Ilya Vesnysensky, which are stored in Kunstkamera now. It contains the unique items, such this uh, costume made of raven uh, furs, uh, or this item. Uh, it is a costume made of condor skin. Uh, it's early 19th century, and it is the only piece in the world. The previous one, uh, some American institution has the second one, but unfortunately I do not remember its name. So they are totally unique. Or, for example, this cape made of. Uh, sometimes... 
the academic uh, community and institutions may seem like a closed and endogamous caste, you know, the thing in itself. Uh, for the long time, the ind indigenous communities were totally excluded from the interpretation of their collections in Kunstkamera. Uh, Russians interpreted the Native Americans uh, through uh, Kunstkamera collections as the indigenous communities associated with the history of uh, the acquisition of the museum collection in the past. Collections were studied in the context of the historical documents and academic publications. Uh, they were not associated with the modern inheritances uh, of their creators. Uh, it was a kind of one-way relationship, one-way communication. Objects and in information about Californian communities uh, went in the museum uh, where knowledge was consolidated through curatorial and academic activities. Uh, Kunstkamera as the powerful resource center sets the joint projects uh, with the museum, with other museum and scientific centers more actively uh, than the, the work among the indigenous communities. As an academic center, Kunstkamera needs to deal with diversity of indigenous people uh, to ensure that different community voices are represented uh, within the projects. Uh, the emphasis uh, was made on the fact that the museum performs uh, the great mission of preserving and studying the vanished culture for the benefit of the future generations. We didn't see the realities of the present in the favor of the past, unfortunately. Today, we finally started to change uh, this situation through the development of uh, multimedia, digitizing our collections, and cooperation with indigenous communities. Uh, I'm proud to say that representatives uh, of uh, Native American people uh, of California visited our museum for the three times. Uh, Kaylee and Jerry also had a chance to visit our museum. We started to work with the indigenous peoples inside the museum, finally. We are interested to continue our communication, to stay in touch, and to know more about the modern life of uh, Californian communities. Uh, the Californian project uh, became a turning point in the history of our museum. Uh, the full catalog of the collection was published as a result of working with American experts. Uh, I would like to mention the invaluable help of these experts and representatives of uh, the indigenous communities who visited our museum repeatedly, and many of them are here today. Uh, we are really grateful. It is difficult to overestimate the scientific advice, uh, the organizational efforts. Uh, some of them contributed the articles to the catalog, so we appreciate uh, all the people who helped us uh, with uh, that project. The masterpieces of our collection uh, have been digitized, and they uh, then uh, now they are available uh, the, our official website. Uh, they are available for everyone who wants uh, to explore, to study, to look at them. So please welcome anytime. Uh, the interest uh, to our Californian collection remains consistently high. 
among our colleagues uh, in Russia, both in Russia and abroad. And here you can see uh, that uh, the exhibition, a special exhibition uh, dedicated to San Francisco with participation of Kunstkamera opened on September 12th in Bonn, Germany. Uh, San Francisco, a portrait. Uh, it's a title. It's, uh, it is dedicated to different aspects of the life of San Francisco. And we provided some unique, nine unique items from California collection. And including famous uh, watercolor settlement by Ilya Vesnesiansky. Uh, we uh, had a chance to see it during the video Sarah showed us. So it is on show in Germany now. I'm sorry for the pictures I made them during the mounting of the exhibition. Uh, and uh, we are especially proud that uh, this magnificent uh, Mivok skirt uh, is on display. Uh, as well, and it is the key object of the entire huge exhibition. Uh, we would like to emphasize that we are open to any kind of further cooperation, and we will be very happy to continue our work together. We have a long-term relationship with Fort Ross, and we would love uh, to continue. So thank you for your attention. Thank you, Senya. You are listening to the Commonwealth Club of California. Hear thousands of our podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Learn about our travel programs to exciting domestic and international destinations. And when you're in the Bay Area, please join us live for any of our 500 programs each year. You can find us online at commonwealthclub.org. Now back to our program. Next up will be uh, Kaylee Panola to uh, give a talk about her trip to Russia in 2014. So as I uh, mentioned earlier, my father and I were actually fortunate enough to visit the Kunstkammer at the same time uh, back in 2014. And he's going to be going a little more into uh, the details of the trip itself when he talks. Um, and this is in part because I don't really remember too much. Um, I remember the entrance to the museum and I remember climbing up the stairs I remember I almost tripped on my skirt four times between the entrance to the museum and the exhibit itself because I was just so nervous. I remember the long drawn out hum of our whistles and I remember hearing the silence in between. I remember that at some point I started crying, sobbing actually, not because I was sad, but because it felt like part of me finally made it home, that I was safe among my ancestors. I remember the flash of the cameras and I remember my sister there to help me find my way because for a while I lost all sense of direction and time. The next thing I remember, I was in the private room among, among Kashaya artifacts that don't see the exhibition floor much. And then either minutes or hours later, we were back on the bus and I could once again hear the silence. Just like our elders, I believe that cultural objects carry with them years and years of cultural knowledge. The objects at the Kunstkamera in St. Petersburg speak to a larger culture that was thriving at the start of the 19th century and is still thriving today. It's absolutely mind-boggling to me and yet not surprising that the artifacts from Matini during the Russian occupation and the items we use in cultural dance are the exact same. This means that who we are as a people has not changed. This is why these items are so impactful. I can see my ancestors' way of life when I look at them, and I can feel the way that they did when they were creating them. 
their energy and their power is inalienable from these objects. In fact, they constitute the importance of the very objects themselves. These are not just objects. They are the epitome of our culture itself. Without this connection, these items would be just the same as any other object found in a museum. A few years ago, my family and I came across an audio recording of Essie Parrish recounting the first sighting of the Russian people at Matini. This story reveals that my ancestors thought they were being punished, that they thought they were doing something wrong. This story hit home hard because it represents the last moment in time that the Kashaya people would be relatively untouched by an outside entity. The final sentence, but we realized it was not a big bird. It was a ship. Eternalized this thought. The end of one world and the start of another. But this moment in time also did something greater. It immortalized the tie between Russia and the Kashaya people. It's not simply enough that a museum in Russia has, cares for, and displays Kashaya artifacts from Matini, nor is it that Kashaya still cares for and maintains the spiritual health of Matini. It's rather that both sides care about fostering positive relationships that show mutual respect for each other's culture. In October of 2016, my family gifted to the Kunstkamera a traditionally made male feather skirt. The netting was hand-woven, the feathers hand-collected, cut, and tied. This process is one that I've been fortunate enough to see my own father go through many times over the course of the last few years. <clears throat> the process of regalia making is as physical as it is spiritual. It is our belief that the maker leaves a part of themselves and everything they produce. This is why it was so hard to leave those artifacts in Russia, because it feels like leaving a family member behind. But this is also why it was so important for us to gift that feather skirt to the museum, because it gifted a part of our culture and ourselves to the Russian people. It is our hope that one day we will be able to dress an entire male dancer at the Kunstkamera, not only to showcase the physical aspects of our culture, but to help explain to the Russian people and to the world why this collection is so important. Thank you. Thank you, Kaylee. Okay, uh, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to stand. I'm not much of a sitter. I'm more of a stander, but um, so I'm more comfortable in this environment. Um, but uh, I'm probably probably should have went before these two. That's pretty good presentation for them. But um, so good afternoon. My name is Jerry Panola, and I'm a citizen of the Kashaya Band of Pomo Indians, as well as part Coast Miwok. First off. I do want to thank Sarah Sweedler and the Fort Ross Conservancy for giving me the opportunity to talk about this subject and my connection to it. <clears throat> In the summer months of 2014, I had the opportunity to embark on a 15-day trip to Russia with my cultural dance group, Tsununu Chanel. <clears throat> we would visit many places throughout Russia, sharing our songs and dances with the Russian people. Our tour of Russia would end in St. Petersburg, where we would visit the Kunstkammer Museum and have an opportunity to see our ancestral cultural items for the first time. <clears throat> it's extremely hard to put into words the emotions that were running through my body as we pulled up to the museum. The atmosphere was so intense, I had to take a moment to collect myself so that I could focus on why I was here. <clears throat> Over 200 years, these cultural items lay dormant, never feeling that connection to their homeland or people. 
that time was now over. <clears throat> As we entered the museum in single file order, we were instructed by our group leaders to blow our dance whistles in a rhythmic pattern as we walked through the museum, a sound that our ancestors would surely recognize and understand. Silence fell about the building as we walked through. To this day, these whistles still display the power that was given them thousands of years ago. <clears throat> we were then given a private showing of our ancestral regalia and baskets. My hands trembled as a 200-year-old kachia was laid across them, feeling the immensity of this moment. It's an undescribable feeling. <clears throat> Seeing them up close, we were able to see that we still construct them in the same manner today, further validating that our teachings have held true over the centuries. We don't see these items as artifacts. They are someone the creator of these items breathed life into them. They were worn and used in countless ceremonies and dances, <clears throat> absorbing all that was righteous and good about my people. They are not diamonds, rubies, or gold. These things meant nothing to my ancestors. <clears throat> they do hold a much higher importance. They are someone. Evidence of a beautiful life steeped in cultural tradition. To us, there is no greater value in life than that. <clears throat> These cultural items will forever tie Russia and my people together. To tell a great story of a meeting long ago between two vastly different cultures. <clears throat> this came at a time when these types of interaction were met with conflict and destruction, but not at Matini Fort Ross. Display these artifacts proudly and correctly. Let their message lead us all into a new future, a good future, one of continued cooperation and mutual understanding between our peoples. Spasiba. Thank you. So we have a, a few minutes, but um, one thing I wanted to add was um, my daughter talked about... Um, the giving the male feather skirt. It, it's a, it's a dance skirt that's made out of feathers. And back in the old days, the netting was hand done. It was all hand done. Everything was hand done. And, um, my uncle made that for the Russian people. And it was presented, um, at the harvest festival, um, in 2016, I believe, um, to one of the representatives there to give back to the rush, uh, to Russia and the people, and it did make the trip to um, the museum. And the reason we did that is because it's, one, to reestablish that connection because we are, as a people, um, when the Russians came, they came at a very turbulent time in California history for Native people. And basically the Russians scared everybody off. Just their presence there, even though there was never any conflicts, just their presence there protected my people um, and our culture from annihilation and um, uh, being put into missions and things like that. So the reason we did that was because it was, you know, a thank you to them. And we want to keep that relationship because it is important. Um, but also one of the things we want to do is uh, the museum has um, 
most of the regalia items to um, portray them correctly, like they're all dancer items. So like um, some of the headpieces, we call it a cuchilla, and the dancers wear, they have those, and they have some of the horns. And what we would like to see is that feather skirt and those items portrayed properly and put on a male dancer and um, so that when people come in there, they could see how they were used. They could see, oh, that's how they wore that, or that's what that is. And they could see uh, the Kashaya people as as we were and as we still are today and um, versus just something laying on the ground, you know, or on a cabinet right here or whatever, you know, people could really see who we were as a people. And then also hopefully foster that relationship uh, with the Russian people um, uh, just by doing that. So, I would love just to add just a few words. Uh, I thank you for your, you know, the moving, the touching story of your personal experience. And I must say that it is really important to, you know, take into account the context, uh, to see the different angle of view, because uh, do not doubt in our museum, our, your artifacts, uh, they are treated <laughs> carefully. Uh, but uh, the items, they are considered to be just artifacts. We do not see that, you know, some people, they consider uh, these uh, items to be their, you know, the history of their people, of, the, of their people, the history of, uh, you know, their culture. And this, you know, uh, thing, it is not considered by the museum uh, community, I guess. So the communication in this way, it will be useful, I guess, for both for the indigenous peoples and uh, for the museum community. So I think that concludes our panel. <laughs> so thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs>